0: Because if you have a million dollar strategy that's in front of you, but you don't have the beliefs to back up that million dollar strategy, that strategy ain't worth a million dollars.
1: Welcome to episode 85 of It's Not About the Alcohol. And that was my friend, Mary Lou Rodriguez, who's a master hypnotherapist and brain training expert turned entrepreneur, who also has her own inspiring story of recovery. And she's here today to explain why your best attempts to get sober, lose weight, or make more money will continue to fall short until you stop thinking of weakness as an innate character defect and start learning how to think mm-hmm. Like the person you want to become. My name is Colleen Cashman. I'm a soberish recovery coach, helping high achieving women get emotionally sober so that drinking less or not at all feels like a superpower. Join me each week for evidence-based holistic strategies to regulate your brain chemistry and nervous system, and also develop a growth mindset so you can feel proud, confident, and resilient with or without a drink in your hand, because it's not about the alcohol. If you're drinking 10 or more drinks per week, and have already tried at least once to reset your tolerance by taking a break, and now you secretly assume that you're going to have to quit completely because you just can't seem to stop once you start, maybe the problem isn't that you just really love to drink. Maybe you've become attached to the idea that the recipe for happiness includes the perfect amount of alcohol. I used to think that if I could just limit myself to two drinks at a time, two to three days a week, I would be perfect and happy. But prioritizing my identity as a drinker caused me to ignore the truth about what I actually needed. Figuring out what you really need And untangling your expectations about alcohol from reality is the work you must do to heal your body and your mind. I published a quick episode yesterday about what it means to do that work and how I might be able to help you with that. So if you want to hear more about that, pause this episode and go take a listen. And now for today, I'd like you to do a thought experiment with me in this episode. And just consider the hypothesis that innate character defects aren't really a thing. Like your personality is really just an overgrown habit. Everything about who you think you are can change because you already know that you can think whatever you want and you can change your mind whenever you want. The problem is we don't understand that we can change our mind and think what we want on purpose. It's really weird because we know we have the power to control our minds, and so we assume that we are controlling our minds. We assume that when we are not behaving in the way that we wanted to behave last night or this morning, that we are just weak and lacking discipline and willpower. And so when we are trying to make a change, the mistake that we make is to focus on what we are doing wrong. Because we think that beating ourselves up is the only way to improve our willpower and follow through. We really think the problem is a lack of integrity and discipline and desire. And for whatever reason, we're just weak. We were born that way, we were raised that way, or life is too big, hard, and stressful in our corner of the universe. And so we develop a belief that things that are available to other people are not naturally available to us. There's some sort of deficit. And so often, we delay even starting the process of change until like the New Year's or after the holidays or some other time because we think that this is going to be extraordinarily difficult and we need the perfect time. We need something that gives us extra motivation. And then we do give it a go and we invest 110% of our energy and we expect to transform overnight. And sometimes it seems like we do, but inevitably there's a slip up. And when something goes wrong, what we see is proof that we're never going to get it right. And so we end up giving up. And unfortunately, this is why our sincerest attempts to break our bad habits and to set new goals usually end in guilt and frustration and regret. And so we lick our wounds and really try to just settle for less than we think we deserve. And the mistake we're making is that we're not seeing the problem as the problem. We're seeing ourselves as the problem. The problem is actually our thoughts. And because we are unaware that we are the thinker of our thoughts and not our thoughts themselves, we assume that everything we think is a reflection of who we are, but it's not. Thoughts are like songs on the radio. They come and go. They can be very random. Some of them are quite alarming, and most of them are just noise, stuff you've heard before, stuff you've thought before. You know, like 85% of what you think is the same stuff you thought yesterday which is why trying to change behavior and habits feels like you're swimming against a riptide. The problem isn't what you do. The problem is how you think. You cannot outperform your identity, how you see yourself, because your subconscious's job is to keep you safe. And when your new and improved intentions, whatever those are this month, pose a threat to your egoic mind, Failure is inevitable. The way you see yourself today is as close as you're ever going to get to having a crystal ball. The way you see yourself today determines who you will be in the future, which is why thinking that you have to do everything right so you can feel the way you want to feel is ass backwards. You are going to love my interview with Mary Lou Rodriguez today. She's a master hypnotherapist and brain training expert, and she's here to explain why changing how you think changes who you are and what you feel about everything. In this episode, Mary Lou is gonna share how she overcame a severe addiction to alcohol using subconscious reprogramming. She's gonna talk about how her addiction was fueled by the poverty mindset and how she overcame that and is now on track to own a seven-figure business. And you're going to walk away with action steps that you can take now, today, to start retraining your brain. Enjoy the episode. Welcome Mary Lou. I'm so excited to have you on the show and share your wisdom about subconscious reprogramming and the subconscious mind and maybe we'll even get into wealth and success and how we can really take ownership of our experience and make changes in our own brain that allow us to thrive. But before we get started, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So Colleen, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And my name
0: is Mary Lou Rodriguez, as Colleen said, and I teach people how to train their brains for success and wealth and I feel like success and wealth can be the ultimate freedom. I know that there's lots of versions of freedom, but I'm having fun teaching people how to rewire their brains to create the success that they desire, and I live in Portland, Oregon. I have a pit bull that's my baby uh, with my boyfriend, Scott, and I'm just really living my best life, so I'm grateful to be here today.
1: One of the things that attracted us together when we met and just started talking like we forgot we were supposed to be in a meeting was the fact that you also have a recovery story and we had that in common and that really bonded us. We, would you be open to sharing a little bit about your journey and what it means to you to recover and what that's looked like for you? Yeah. Yeah. So I
0: grew up with my stepfather who was an alcoholic. So there was alcoholism in my family and there was alcohol that was around and it was normal. And because I had experienced so much trauma as a child, like I learned that was the coping mechanism. So as an adult, I struggled with an alcohol addiction, like a very serious alcohol addiction for 15 years And I would stop and start and stop and start. And I just, you know, it was to the point where my parents and my siblings stopped speaking to me. It ruined my marriage with my ex-husband, my career at the time. And I lived to drink. That had become my life. And after my mom passed, I decided that it was time for me. Like I had a decision to make. Was I truly going to live or was I going to continue to, to just exist? And so I made a decision to, to be the woman that I knew I could be, but I couldn't do that if I were drinking. So I quit drinking. I stopped. And we can talk more about that because it was not a journey that was fun. However, it was the journey that I needed to go on in order to become this version of myself. And, and I'm grateful to be sober i'm sober now 4 years i celebrated sobriety my 4 year anniversary in october 23rd and yeah and really this version of mary lou like who i have become and knowing that i'm worth i'm worthy i'm deserving i've forgiven myself for the past for all the heartache all the trauma all the financial the bad financial decisions that i made when i was drinking like i have forgiven myself because I know that I was doing what I knew how to do in order to survive at the time. And so it's a little bit about my story.
1: (laughs) Talk to me about your recovery journey. You know, what did day one look like? What was that? um, How did you get to that decision? And then, you know, what action steps did you take? When you look back, of course, everything was perfect because that's how you got today. But can you see anything that, you know, you would definitely recommend that might accelerate somebody's journey? Or are there any specific points along your journey that really come up in terms of what you might share with other people about how to do this? Yeah. I think that one of the biggest
0: factors for me was I was so tired of going into withdrawals from, and so physically, mentally, spiritually, you know, it's like, I would try to stop drinking and then I couldn't, like my body would, you know, had become habituated to the alcohol. And so that in itself, like knowing that there was this cycle that was never ending, like I had to drink in order to feel normal, my, my version of normal, And I was, and this is no surprise to anybody who's been in recovery, but I started thinking suicidal thoughts. You know, I didn't know if I could really quit. And I didn't know if I could really live without alcohol in my life. So one morning after a bender, you know, my benders were long benders, you know, where I would buy lots of alcohol and then I would just completely, you know, shut myself away from the world. I woke up that morning and I was like shaking already. And then I looked in the mirror and I looked orange. Like I had been drinking this orange Hefeweizen. I can't even remember what it was, but it was some sort of orange flavor. And I caught a look, I caught a glimpse of myself out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, I'm turning orange and I'm shaking and I get into the shower and I could feel the hot water on my back. And I felt, I'm like, do I want to throw up or do I want to pass out? Like I didn't know. So of course I got down on my knees and I had been down on my knees in the shower a million times crying, like just, I had so much shame that I had become this kind of woman. And so I remember thinking to myself as I was like, On my hands and my knees, I remember thinking, I'm just going to grab a bottle of wine and I'm going to go to the nearest bridge and I'm just going to jump off the bridge. And Mm. I was just crying and crying and I could hear my mom, like it was the first time that I, like my mom spoke to me after she's been gone and I heard her in my ear and I heard her like, just say, don't give up Madi. She used to call me Madi. She said, don't give up Madi, don't give up. And so got out of the shower and I went to a recovery meeting and Colleen I went to five recovery meetings that day just so that I could get through the day without drinking and so I used a 12-step program to help me with accountability to be Mm -hmm. able to to not drink and I needed that because nobody knew how bad I was because I kept it a secret Mm -hmm. And so the uh, 12 step was a great opportunity for me in the beginning for the, for that accountability. And it really did serve me because I would call, I would text, I was like, I would text people and be like, I'm still sober. And that's what I needed because that's how bad my addiction was. And so I did that. And one day led to 30 days and it led to 60. And I did also a lot of brain training, which I know we're going to talk about today to reprogram my subconscious. So not only was I going to these 12-step meetings, but I also was really listening to audios that would help me understand that I am worthy of living a life that I truly love, that I am deserving of it, even though I'm an alcoholic. And even though I made a, a lot of really bad decisions in my life, I do deserve to be happy and so a lot of the brain training, I, that's what I call hypnosis, a lot of the brain training audios did begin to reprogram my subconscious to be able to support me in this life of sobriety.
1: Did you have previous experience with subconscious training? You know, one, one reason I do this podcast is to let people know there's a solution like yeah. there is something you can learn. There are skills that you can get. You don't have to, you know, that decision that you came to where it's go jump off a bridge or go to a recovery meeting. I mean, thank God you, cho- you chose that and to seek community and support and accountability. But did you know at the time that there was hope that you wouldn't always have the urge to drink? that you wouldn't be suffering the rest of your life. Were you aware of that or did all of this come later? I was not aware of it. Okay. I did not believe
0: that I could do it because I had tried so many times before. Yeah. And it wasn't really until – so I had been aware of subconscious reprogramming and and I knew the power of it. But I didn't know how to really use it correctly. So part of my sobriety was learning about the neuroscience of the brain. And I know that you and I are connected through neuroscience. You know, we have a love for it. So part of it was learning about how to use these brain training tools correctly to really change my brain. But not only my brain, my nervous system, but when I'm talking about, I'm talking about also my heart you know it's it's really learning to believe that that i can do it so every day it was creating this belief that i believe that i can just not drink for today i believe you know and i would say one of the things that i would say to myself is that and i would say this over and over is that i love myself and i'm worthy I love myself and I'm worthy. I love myself and I'm worthy. And I would say that because that was the thing, that was like my mantra. And I would say that over and over and over. And every time I looked in the mirror when I was in the bathroom, I would be like, I love myself and I'm worthy. And that was one of the first things that I programmed into my brain. And I remember I would wake up in the middle of the night and i go to the bathroom and it was like playing like a mantra in my mind. And I was like, oh my gosh. And this began, this was really the first step in my, in freedom for me. So even though I was free, I had stopped drinking. This was the first step to really for me to really step into this idea that I love myself,
1: and I am worthy of this life. I want to highlight for our listeners that the action came first, and the feeling followed. Oh, yeah. You know, it's very hard to look in the mirror when you don't feel like you're worthy, and tell yourself that you are. But that's where it's recovery to me is when you stop being the sick person and you start taking care of yourself, like you are a sick person, you mother yourself, you love yourself, you hold that space. And it's a lot easier to act your way into thinking differently than it is to try to think your way into feeling differently. Like that's just, and what I want to point out here is the action you took was simple. It wasn't some big calculated strategy with 12 points of A, B, C. It was looking in the mirror and telling yourself that you are worthy and that those, that action and those words is what created the sense of being worthy. Would I, would you say I described that right? Yes, that's so beautiful. Yes. And part of what I
0: didn't know, I didn't understand this at the time, but when you're looking in the mirror and you're looking into your eyes and you're telling yourself that you love yourself, you're releasing dopamine. So I didn't know that I was actually training myself every time I looked in the mirror that I would release dopamine to start to feel good about myself. Like I just didn't understand that at the time, but I understand that now. So I do teach that as one of our tools. Whenever I'm working with anybody one-to-one or in groups about the power of looking at yourself in the mirror and telling yourself what you want to believe it
1: is powerful it is powerful and i tear up when i look at myself in the mirror especially if it's a bad day and i'm like girl i see you and i immediately tear up i immediately feel seen talk to me then about how you went from early recovery telling yourself in the mirror that you are worthy to doing what you do now, you stumbled into these tools and then somehow you became aware of the bigger picture in terms of what they are and how they fit. Yes, it's so true. And
0: I would love, we, we have to definitely hang out more because there's so much to our stories. And I wanna say that one of the, so during the pandemic was really when I did a deep dive into neuroscience and neurobiology because I wanted to understand like, You know, I wanted to understand how to maximize my brain to live my best effing life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Really, that's what I wanted to learn. I was like, and part of what I discovered during the pandemic, and one of the things that I struggled with was a lack mindset, a poverty mindset. And so I didn't know though, that I had a poverty mindset. I didn't understand really what that meant, but that was part of the reason why I drank was because I felt like I'm never going to have the life that other people have. And that's my truth. Like I had a lot of envy and a lot of jealousy. And I was like, why can they succeed? And what's wrong with me? And so during the pandemic, I did this full deep dive on who I wanted to become and how was I going to learn about the brain so that it could support, so that my subconscious could support what I wanted consciously. And so I know that you only know me now, but on Tuesday night I ran into somebody who didn't even recognize me. She didn't even know who I was and I knew her before the pandemic and I just saw her for the first time. And she's, I didn't even, because I am a different woman. Mm-hmm. So part of it was learning about what did future Mary Lou who had it all, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how does she think, what kinds of decisions would she make? What does she believe about herself? Is she going to call herself, you know, an alcoholic for the rest of her life? Is she going to say that she, you know, has this addiction? You know, so I really did a deep dive into what would Mary Lou One year from now, what would Mary Lou, the woman I want to be, who is she? And I met her and I met her through journaling, just through journaling, through listening to some beautiful music, taking my journal out and being like, who is this woman? And then that became my roadmap. Honestly, that became my roadmap because I was like, okay, now how do I wire this in? How do I get this into my subconscious? Because I'm going to tell you, poverty was in there and there's nothing wrong with that. Like now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I don't, if I knew then what I know now. And so when I think about Mary Lou during that time of struggle, I just want to hold her, you know, and encourage her and validate her and see her because it's not her fault. Like I was born into poverty. I was raised in poverty. My parents were migrant workers or immigrants from Mexico. So that's all I knew. And they did the best job. Like the other thing, Colleen, that I know now is that my mom did the best job that she could at raising me to be the woman that I was. Like she did the best job she could. And then it was my responsibility to take accountability for my life and to be the woman that I knew I was capable of being. So I don't know if that answers your question.
1: It does. I'd like to hear not necessarily a timeline, but... What did this process look like and feel like to be in the middle of it? Because now this is the story, you know, that got you here. This is who you are. You are this version of Mary Lou and probably multiple updates have occurred. What did it feel like to go through this once you really had the idea that you have to create and meet this woman yeah. and understand who she is and what she thinks. And then how does one put that on yeah. while the old one still exists?
0: Yeah, I know.
1: And that <laughs> truly is. <laughs> I know, right? That's the million dollar question.
0: Yeah. Because if you were to, so here's the thing, it's like, I'm ever growing and ever expanding. So yes, I'm a, I'm a different version of myself than I was during the pandemic. Like I know that. And six months from now, I'm going to be a different version than I am today. I don't see it as the middle. Mm. I see it as just growth. It's just growth to becoming the best version of myself every time I want to up level. Does, does, you
1: know, it it does. It is. It speaks to exactly what I teach. You're never going to get there. You have yeah. to learn how to be here, yeah. and that starts with you know yeah. today and looking yourself in the mirror, and then you look back over time and you realize how far you've come. Yeah. But there never is there's only this moment, there is no there and getting out of that mindset, which I'm not even really sure what we call that, but thinking we have to get there and do that in order to feel when the truth is, no, you have to be here and feel this in order to move through. Yeah. Oh, I love it. We are very aligned.
0: So what I teach, because I understand this now is that there is here. There is here. And that's the game changer.
1: Yeah. Next Tuesday does not exist. <laughs> game on. Oh, you, what is it? You're No, we're already recording. So <laughs> go ahead and you're on. This is not something we start. You don't yeah. restart your life. You that's don't right. wait and get everything ready. No, we are already recording. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. So the other question I think is so powerful too. It's like, how do you become that version
0: while the other version still exists? Mm-hmm. And- one of the things that, you know, it's, I, I sort of laugh when I say this, and it's the truth though, is that it's by embracing the Mary Lou that I am today, it's through love and compassion that I allow myself and I choose, you know, it, this is intentional where I choose to be like, I love the Mary Lou from yesterday, but I'm choosing today through this place of true compassion to grow. And so, I'm not like, it's for me, I know people use the word act as if, and that's fine. That's fine. I get that. But I'm, pra- it's a practice for me. I see mm-hmm. it as a practice of being her now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is how I embody it. And yes, old Mary Lou comes up, you know, all those
1: yeah.
0: beliefs and habits and, you know, thoughts and all of those things, like they still come up, but instead of going, ah, oh, what's wrong with me? I'm like, I get it. It's a brain thing. (laughs) We can talk more about that, but I'm like, I get it. I get that Mary Lou from yesterday wants to keep me safe and wants to keep me in the familiar and wants to keep me in my known. I get that. And I'm just going to love. And yeah, Colleen, sometimes it's effing hard. I mean, seriously, that's the other part of it. I don't lie to people. I don't say transformation's easy. When you say yes to transformation and transforming your life, or if you say yes to exercise, you say yes to sobriety, it doesn't matter what it is. Your brain is going to kick up some fuss because your brain wants to keep you in your familiar and your known. So I love the Mary Lou from yesterday. And I just hold her in that space of true compassion. There's nothing wrong with me.
1: No, there's nothing wrong with you. I teach this as thinking of it as different emotional states that you move in and out of and to treat those as episodes, you know, like suddenly you come to and you haven't exercised in a week and you've been doing the things you said you wouldn't and it's, hey, this is the moment. How long was I out? And then you mark the time. Oh, I was out for a week. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Get my feet on the ground. Here I am. Now move forward. And then to measure those episodes the duration and the frequency and the intensity of that old uh, and really I think, and maybe this will bridge for you, we just go unconscious and those subconscious patterns come back into play. And to me, it's all about waking yourself up from the dream and which dream is real, The one that you want to be. Otherwise, like you get to pick. If you want that to to be the real you, okay, that's then that's the truth. So waking yourself from the episode or the dream of slipping back and then realizing it's just the subconscious patterning yeah, and that you move in and out of these phases of yourself, these versions of yourself. And the less time the old version gets to drive, the farther you're going to go. Yeah. Totally, totally. For
0: me, the practice of being her now is really also about training my
1: subconscious and like the the practices that I use to do that. So the real skill is not ever not being your old version of yourself, but noticing that you're in that place and then navigating from point A to point B state of consciousness. Yes.
0: Yes. And you know, I do have tools. I do use daily tools. And I know I, I spoke about the brain training tool. And I, I just want to touch a little bit of, on hypnosis. So I refer to hypnosis as brain training. So, what hypnosis does is, is it accelerates neural plasticity. And neural plasticity is our brain's ability to learn and grow. So, I know that my brain biologically is going to want to keep me in my comfort zone whatever my comfort zone is. And so I use these brain training audios to help me train my brain at an accelerated pace to be the version of myself that I wanna be now. And I do listen to brain training audios daily. I also will listen to binaural beats when I'm working. And then I do have a practice of when I go into the bathroom, I have on my mirror, you know, this is what a million dollar woman looks like. And so I will practice washing my hands, telling myself, this is what a million dollar woman looks like. And so these are the practices that I use to really, it is about rewiring your brain because If you don't rewire your subconscious, reprogram your subconscious, train your brain, your subconscious is always going to dictate who you are. So what I mean by that is that your beliefs, you cannot outperform your beliefs. You cannot outperform your identity. You can't. And I've tried to do it. I've had these conscious desires. Oh, you were talking about, you know, becoming awake. You know, waking up. So I have these conscious desires. But if my subconscious does not believe that, you know, that the conscious desires that I have are going to keep me safe, because that's really what it's looking at, if it doesn't believe, if my subconscious is rich people are greedy, successful people, you know, look at, you're going to have to work your life away, Mary Lou, to be successful. That's really, that's what's in my subconscious. And my subconscious is always going to win. And so now that I know that, I'm like, okay, let me look at the truth of what I have in my subconscious and let me use my tools to Mm up-level, to train my brain, to Mm -hmm. rewire my brain. Mm -hmm. So yes. (laughs) So is
1: there a, what does your day look like as somebody who understands this process, you have mastered it. And yet yeah. evidently this isn't a one and done. You just no. didn't wake up reprogrammed. What is your day like? What do your habits look like?
0: Yeah. That's such a good question. And the reason why it's not a one and done is because our brain cannot create a neural network fast of fast enough. So a neural network like several neural pathways that lead to the outcome that you want. And it takes time for your brain to change. And so part of the problem is Colleen is that most people give up on these practices because they're not seeing, they're not feeling like that million dollar woman. And they go, this isn't working, but it takes time to change the brain. So I know that And I don't see it as I've got to be, you know, I've got to have this thing by tomorrow because I'm like, it's going to take, my brain needs some time here. So I listen to brain training audios first thing in the morning, always. That's how I start my day. I also will read my vision. I have a vision of my life and I practice gratitude. So that's one thing that is so important to me is practicing gratitude And this also is a brain, like it's one of the best things that you can do to change your brain, because what it does is it trains your brain to focus on the abundance that you do have, what you do have in your life. And that's powerful because most of us have trained our brains to focus on what we don't have. (laughs) And so gratitude is a simple little tool to shift the brain, to shift the brain's focus. That's why I love it so much.
1: Yeah, because what you pay attention to grows and what you neglect dies. And that's a cliche, but focusing on what you don't have begets more of the same. It does. Yes. Yeah. Yes. One of the gratitude practices that I adopted early on was a twist on the gratitude, and I found it so helpful in early recovery. And that was to make a list or to focus on how I am grateful for Colleen, myself. Oh. And to that really helped recreate a relationship with myself that and that higher version of myself. I don't know. There was just something to it because in early sobriety for me practicing gratitude, I did it because I was here to win it and follow directions and stop trying to do this myself. So I would do gratitude, but, you know, it just felt hollow. And when I started practicing gratitude for myself, the things I am doing right, even if it's just brushed my teeth and put my tennis shoes on and I didn't even go anywhere, but hey, I gave it a good, you know, first start. And practicing gratitude for myself made me feel appreciated. Yeah,
0: yes, I love this practice. Actually, I think it's really beautiful. I I think it's sweet. I think it's compassionate. I think it builds self trust because you're like, oh, look at what I am doing. And also, <clears throat> when we feel gratitude, so I'm a, I'm a I love the brain. I'm a brain training expert. I don't even know if I said that at the beginning, but I'm a brain training expert. And when we practice gratitude. And we get into the feeling of gratitude. Yes, I'll talk about you know sp- what it does spiritually, but what it does for your body is that you begin to habituate the feeling of gratitude and it becomes a normal process of how you feel. So the more you practice gratitude and you get into that feeling, the more that feeling becomes a part of your body. And it's so beautiful. It's, you know, if we feel good when we practice gratitude, that's the feeling that I want throughout the day. So just that little simple practice. And then, you know, it's, and then if you want to take it a step, a notch further, you know, when you're practicing gratitude and you're in that feeling of love, abundance, you know, whatever it is for you, that's what you're emitting to the universe. That is the, you know, the feeling that is being sent out and we, we call it a vibration. And so that's also what happens is that we attract more of the way that we feel. I hope yeah, I, said that that I
1: love sense. the vibration analogy, but I also like thinking of emotions as magnets. Mm-hmm. You know, they're mm-hmm. sticky and however yes. you feel, perception is or per- perception is projection and yeah. it's just showing you how you feel inside. And I love, and I want to highlight because I wouldn't have heard you say this. I wouldn't have understood the words that you said, the practice yeah. of gratitude. Like you have to practice feeling yes. the way you want to feel, whether it's gratitude or yeah. anything else That's and right. conjure that into a virtual reality that becomes yeah. familiar to you. Because quite honestly, what most of us, at least before we get all of this is we're addicted to feeling bad and we're addicted to feeling yeah. like victims and we're yeah. addicted to feeling helpless and powerless and overwhelmed. And yeah. so those become our default states because yeah. it's not even that situation is, is objectively creating that emotion. It's just, that's how you always feel. You know, that's right. this happens and I feel that's this. Right. I noticed last night I got, I went into my bed, my dog. So we have a new kitty kitty peed on my bed the other night that's a problem right so the other night then my dog german shepherd i get into my bed and there is a glacier lake amount of pee on my comforter and uh, i went through the whole thing took the comforter to the thing last night i get in my bed and there was pee again so my german shepherd's not happy with the cat and i was like "Ah, ah and i was running around and then i was like to myself i go we could just skip the part where we're mad and we could just put new sheets on. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think I'll just skip that part. And I just, because I do this work anyway, and I I don't have to be mad that there's pee in my bed. Like, I could just change the sheets and go back to listening to my podcast and get ready for bed and do the thing. And yeah. that is, you know, where we're interrupting. It's so oh. addicted to feeling like that all the time. How else yeah. would I feel about my dog peeing on my bed? yeah. I could yes. feel like, oh, good. I get fresh sheets
0: tonight. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that you made a choice to to feel differently. That That's yeah. beautiful. That's freedom to me. That's what I call freedom. And when you were talking about like how we feel a certain way. So that's part of the work that I do when I'm helping people with money specifically is like, what is the truth of how you feel about money? Not how you want to feel. Because that's... <laughs> I know everybody wants to feel a certain way, but the truth, because that is the magnet going back to your, you know, your analogy of the magnet, that is the truth about how we feel about money. And if we're having anxiety, if we're having stress about it, if we're feeling like there's not enough, or, you know, it's, we were talking about my, I had a poverty mindset, but I didn't know it because it was the only mindset that I had. So I, when I began to uncover what my true relationship is with money, I realized that I had a lot of anxiety with it. And that was the feeling that was being admitted into the universe. And guess what I was attracting back? And uh, I didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I oh, had yes. no
0: clue. It was so wild. So that's part of the work that we do when I'm more. Work- and there's layers and layers upon work when it comes to wealth and success. And I love it so much because of the fact that I was ra- born in poverty and raised in poverty. And then to be honest, Colleen, I'm 49 now, but it wasn't until I was 42 years old that I began to change my mindset with money. And almost my entire life, I've struggled with money, but not anymore. Yeah, (laughs) but not anymore. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Can you share a story of maybe an early win or a success where you saw evidence that you can change your mindset and you did change your mindset and the outcome reflected your mindset?
0: Yeah, I know. We love the stories where, you know, it's, wow, this is what really becomes possible when we think and feel Differently about money and money is emotional. So there's, I mean, and it has everything to do with our upbringing, what we learned consciously and unconsciously about money. And so I want to say that probably one of my first wins was when I started, you know, and this is just financially, like when I started creating consistent 10K months. And I'm a girl that started out with 16 cents in my bank account when I became an entrepreneur. I mean, it was a big deal for me. It was a really big deal. And the thing about my journey, you know, and it's this is my truth. The thing about my journey is that I love these outcomes and I love having, you know, 10K months when I first started to change my mindset with money. And it's not because, you know, it's, I mean, yes, I'm growing as an entrepreneur, you know, but I have the beliefs to back up a million dollar strategy. And. That's a big deal, because if you have a million dollar strategy that's in front of you, but you don't have the beliefs to back up that million dollar strategy, that strategy ain't worth a million dollars.
1: Wow. That's
0: the truth. And so then from that point, I've been able to create 30K months and 50K months and 100K months. And guess what? It's like it's becoming part of my normal. It's just who I am. (laughs) But wow. I did celebrate. I do remember,
1: like I was like, oh my gosh, I hit 10k again. And I was like, wow, this is so great. Can you and- share the before and after belief? What did you believe <laughs> that was holding you back? And what did you uh control alt delete yeah. and then insert, copy, paste into yeah. that? <laughs> Erase and
0: replace is how I that's oh. so funny. Yeah. So one thing I discovered is that I was angry with money. Now I didn't know this, you know, I didn't Ooh. know this, but I was mm-hmm. angry with money. And I was mad at money because I had believed that if I had money, no, if my mom had money, if we'd had money growing up, then she wouldn't have had to work two jobs. And then I wouldn't have been sexually molested. Mm. If we had money growing up, then I would have been able to buy the name gra- name brand clothes that, and I would have been accepted. And so if we had money, I wouldn't have lived in the duplex in the bad neighborhood that we lived in, and I wouldn't have been picked on, you know. Yeah. So I didn't know that I blamed money and that I was angry with money. And I did a lot of crying, Colleen, when I realized this, you know, because this is what I truly felt on the inside about money. And this is what was being admitted, emitted to the universe. This is what my true vibration was. And I know that my vibration is my energy. And my energy is my thoughts and my feelings about money. So here I am emitting all of this anger and frustration. And then consciously I'm going, why can't I create more wealth in my life? Yeah. And so I changed my beliefs to be, you know, and at the beginning it really was, I'm worthy of being a wealthy woman. I'm worthy of having wealth in my life. And I'm going to tell you, I did not believe that at first because I had made a lot of bad decisions when it came to money and you know, a $90,000 hospital bill because of pancreatitis, because of drinking. You know, it's, I didn't feel like I was a good steward of wealth. I felt like I was the opposite of that, but I know, I know, and this is neuroscience. I know that if I continue to tell myself what I want to believe, regardless of whether I feel it or not in the beginning, if I continue to tell myself what I want to believe, I will rewire my brain.
1: Okay. What's interesting about that anger is that according to Hollywood, oh, I know. <laughs> that anger should propel you into wealth because it's the rags to riches story where, you know, if you identified money as the reason you were sexually molested because you didn't have it, and believing that not having money was the cause of all your problems, wouldn't that propel you to become you know, the top dog rich person? Isn't that what we come to believe? How did having anger about not having money keep you from making it when logically, according to Hollywood, it would be the opposite? I know. It's such a great question. And
0: I think a lot of people are going to relate to that. And I think that it does drive you I think it does give you that motivation, but what it also does is that it, I, you know, and I experienced this where I felt like money was going to solve all my problems. I thought that Mm -hmm. money was going to heal the hole in my heart. I thought that money was going to change my past. I thought that money was going to make me a happy person. I thought that money was going to, you know, do all of these things for me. And so what it does, if we continue on our path, you know, of fighting to create more wealth because we grew up poor, that doesn't really fulfill me. That's not why I want money in my life. Yeah, I want money in my life because guess what I've done? I have given back so much. I'm making this world a better place. And it is an honor, Colleen, and a privilege to be able to do that, to do, to help families like the family that I grew up with you know? So I, I, so it's incredible. So money doesn't fill the hole. Yeah. So the rags to riches is not my story. I I started going down that path and I realized, Ooh, that's not what, that's not how I want to feel. Cause then when you go down that path, Colleen, all you want is to create more
1: money because you're still trying to fill that hole. Yeah. Yeah. Or you get there and you're just rich and on your knees in the shower drinking because money didn't change. Yes. That's right. Yeah. that's Right.
0: Thank you for sharing that
1: story. That's so powerful. Talk to me a little bit about what your program is like and how you help women with subconscious reprogramming in the wealth department. Yeah. I love to teach about wealth because it was my biggest
0: wound and it was also my biggest gift and teacher. And so I get what it feels like to have shame being poor as a child and to also have shame to be poor as an adult. Like, I totally know what that feels like. So I love to teach women how to get unblocked when it comes to money. And that means doing a deep dive into their subconscious. That means looking at the way they were programmed with money, what they learned about money, how they feel about rich people. And so we do deep dives into the subconscious so that we can have awareness around what really is blocking us and then how to shift that and to train the brain to believe something different. And so I have a community called the Unstoppable You Now community where people come together and we support each other in training the brain. I also have a program called Unstoppable You Now that'll that'll launch in January where I teach people. It's a it's basically a brain training program. That's mm-hmm. what it is. I'm teaching you how to train your brain and it's 6 weeks of brain training to so that you can look at what you don't, what you no longer want to believe and what you do want to believe and become. So we have a lot of fun. Like I have a blast teaching this and it's an honor to be able to help others get unstuck in their lives so that they can have the freedom that they truly desire.
1: And I have to plug your podcast, which Aww. I started listening to, which then drove me to your Facebook community. And you really do put out great content Aww. and very inspiring. Maybe I'll do your program in January. Like I would love I, to have you. When you were talking, I don't know if you saw my face, but I, I, I got hit with this, oh my gosh, I have this belief, you know, that yeah. money will make me powerful. Like for me, having stayed home with children and always relying on either my My ex-husband or my new husband for all the money. I have this belief that if I could just get money, I would feel powerful. And wow, that's gonna have to go on the fire for sure.
0: Congratulations for uncovering that. You you can
1: send me a bill. Or no, (laughs) yeah, send me a bill because I just had a huge breakthrough while you were talking. I love it. I love it. I hope our listeners also had a breakthrough. Tell us what the name of your podcast is and the name of your Facebook group so we can find you. Yeah. So the podcast is called The Unstoppable
0: Mind. Nobody's surprised. The Unstoppable Mind podcast with Mary Lou Rodriguez. I would love if you check it out. And then my community is called The Unstoppable You Community.
1: All right. So I've got Mary Lou's links in the show notes. And if you are not yet following me, find me at Recover with Colleen, both on Facebook as well as Instagram and make sure you are following this show. It's not about the alcohol. So that you don't miss next week's episode where I am interviewing Anne Hints about why EFT, which is the emotional freedom technique, we also call it the tapping solution, why EFT doesn't seem to work as promised for most of us and how a simple shift in your technique can exponentially improve your results. From the time I recorded this interview with Anne Hintz, And the time I'm recording this now, I have tried the emotional freedom techniques, which I have played with before and, you know, a few little results here and there, but nothing to write home about. And I have been using her shift, this new strategy that she has brought and developed, and it is a game changer. So you do not want to miss that episode. So make sure you're following or subscribing to the show, whichever you have to do on your platform. And then if you like hearing from me and want to connect more, get on my Insiders email list so that you will receive my weekly insights that will really help accelerate your recovery. I write an email every single week telling stories and sharing strategies and tips and tricks and tools, and it is highly valuable content that is only available to my email subscribers. I'll also let you know in a timely fashion, in case you don't listen to the podcast right when it drops, I'll let you know in a timely fashion of upcoming free workshops and low-cost events that you don't want to miss out. We just completed a three-part storytelling workshop where I taught the science behind the art of storytelling and introduced a new three-part exercise that we did as a group, but then you can take and use in your real life. And I'm gonna be doing that workshop again in January, as well as a couple of other pop-up events that I'm gonna be doing in December. So you don't wanna miss out on those. And I promise you, I do not spam you. I send one email a week. And then if I'm doing a workshop, I'll send an email about that. So see this as a small action that you can take to move yourself forward in the right direction, if only because you know you're going to be exposing yourself a little bit more to new ideas and the strategies that will help you either quit drinking or drink less or drink in a way that makes you happy and you're no longer just waiting for your mind to change itself, but you are actively engaging with my content because you know it's really not about the alcohol. I'll see you next week.